Another Way to Play, episode 140. Yes, yeah, some of it overlaps, but like what I do, what my two brothers do, my uncle do, like we all have different different roles and different responsibilities. Um, and then we're very sales driven too. I think that's worth mentioning. This is Ryan Cote, director of Digital at Ballantine. And if you want to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Strazina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Strazina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Strazina, and if you've heard any business adage about family businesses, you probably know that they don't work. Well, today's guest, Ryan Cote, is uh, living proof that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. He's actually the third generation in a digital and print advertising uh, firm based out of New Jersey that is, frankly, killing it, doing a really good job at what they do. Um, and he's our guest for today. We talk not only about how he got into the third generation of a family business, but also um, how he's doing his personal development, bringing in new ideas to a very established business and what that whole situation is like. We also talk about his personal development journey. And uh, one thing he didn't mention, but it is worth mentioning, is that he does have a podcast called The Morning Upgrade, which is small, short snippets of advice, which I have been fortunate to be interviewed on um, about how to upgrade your morning routine and your personal development games. So um, I'll link up to that down in the show notes as well. Um, and really looking forward to sharing this one with you guys. So uh, if you get some value, you know what to do. Like, comment, subscribe, all of that good stuff on whatever podcast player you're on because it really helps me grow, feeds the algorithm machine and gets us out in front of a few more people. So thanks in advance for that. And without any further ado, let's get it on with Ryan Cote. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hey Hans. Yeah, I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Well, uh, let's just dig into it, man. I mean, before we hit record, you're you're living the work from home life, but you're running a company, big part of a third generation family business there at Ballantine. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what that looks like for you today? Yeah, absolutely. So we're fully remote now. Um, we weren't pre-COVID, but um, yeah, we're a marketing agency. So we really just need um, computers and phones and you know, it's a pretty remote friendly business, I suppose. And, um, yeah, so we're remote. I basically took over my, my kid's playroom and now it's my home home office and, um, fully operational. Yeah. I started in the family business. Like you mentioned, I'm third generation. So I've been here for 18 years now. I didn't come directly into the business out of college though. I had two other jobs and then I got the itch to come into the business and they essentially created like the first marketing role at Ballantine for me. And, it's, you know, I was doing that for about 10 years and it evolved into us starting the digital division of Valentine because we were just direct mail. And that's where my, my day is spent now on the digital side of the business, not necessarily the marketing of the business. 
So what we were talking about before we hit record was was what I find interesting because as a real estate agent, you know, the overarching general advice relative to marketing sits somewhere between door knocking, sending some kind of a postcard or a mailer, and then learning, you know, Facebook ads or Google ads or SEO or whatever, right? And and you guys are really kind of aligning the two in a way that I find pretty interesting because there's I remember I was doing some research before and you guys take keywords, keyword research and, um, you know, use that in your ads, uh, your physical ads, but then also use that to create content through content marketing strategies for your clients. So like, how do you kind of overlap these seemingly opposite ends of the spectrum of, of that, uh, of the marketing spectrum, if you will, for your clients and layer them all together? Yeah. So what we found works best is an integrated approach. It's really hard to rely on one specific channel nowadays. Yes, you can do it, but what, we, what we've seen is, you know, the the whole is greater than the parts. And so, um, you know, when we work with a client, it's typically, you know, um, handling their, their SEO, their paid search, their social, their content, direct mail. Um, and we try to weave them together. And it really does work. Cause like, you know, for example, like the SEO and the pay-per-click, Let's use that as an example. If you see that some keywords are doing very well, well, then it would make sense to carry that over to blogging and create you know topics around those keywords. Um, and then really everything that you do, you're driving traffic to the site. And so as part of the paid search, you should be running remarketing, which means you know if you've ever put something in your Amazon cart, it'll haunt you for the rest of your life. That's remarketing. And so everything you're doing, you're driving people to your site, even realtors to see listings. And then when they leave, they're going to see your banner ads. So that's that's the first thing I want to say is it's like you, you need to figure out a way to integrate um, all the channels together and then use your learnings from one channel and carry over to the other channel. Another example of that is paid search. It's quicker to the keyword trap. The keyword the, the traffic starts like literally the same day, whereas SEO is a longer, slower grind. But you're going to learn more about the keywords with paid search very quickly, much quicker than SEO. And then you can carry that over to SEO. And so you see a particular keyword is doing very well with paid search. Well, now, you know, okay, create content around it. It's a good keyword for SEO. And so you just, you know, you just got to, it's like sort of like a puzzle putting all the pieces together to address your other part. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so what you, what I'm understanding you say, which I, which I find sort of interesting and I, personally agree with is like, A, you're testing and you're, and you're kind of looking at the different options out there. Um, but B, you're also, uh, you're, you're using more than just like running ads, get a lead, run ad, get lead. You're like taking the knowledge from the ad of who's clicking on something and turning that into blogs or potentially videos or posting on social or whatever that content strategy is. And you're kind of, and then you're, kind of reverse engineering it backwards and forwards, it sounds like. Yeah. So you're right. Some of the channels are more lead friendly, like SEO and paid search. They're naturally more lead driven and it makes sense because someone's looking for something. They're looking for a solution. Uh, I'm assuming that the search has commercial intent. They're not just looking for information. And so naturally those are going to result in more leads. Um, And then other channels like content, for example, yes, there's an SEO element to that because it's going to help the organic traffic. It's also thought leadership, um, you know, like uh, just tying back to what you said, realtors, you know, creating content around the communities. Now all of a sudden you're the the expert of the community and the potential customer knows that because they see your content, they're reading it, they're on your site. 
And so every channel has a specific use. Some is more slanted towards leads. Others play more of a supporting role. Um, you know, it just depends on which channel we're talking about. Got it. And then where does the, like the mailers, like the physical pieces of paper or postcards or whatever they are come into that strategy? Yeah. So for really, it's just another touch point. And so direct mail, um, it's, it's good because it's the physical, your, it's your marketing message physically in their hands. There's less competition in the mailbox. It can be pricier, of course, because you've got the print and the mail, the postage, all that. Um, but it's a good, it's a good touch point because it's less, it's less comp, it's less competitive in the, in, in your uh, mailbox. And you, like I said before, you, you physically have your, your piece in their, in their hands, like their, their, your mail piece in their hands. And so what I, if you, before you asked about blending the two channels together, uh, there are ways to do that. Um, so for example, if you've got your list, your, your postal list, you're mailing to, say you have like 5,000 names of people that you sell to or whatever, you mail them something, you can upload that list to Facebook and LinkedIn and then run ads to the matches. Of course, you've got, if you have email, you can send them email newsletters. There's even something that might be new to your audience. Um, it's called Infor- Informed Delivery. And we have a blog post on it, on it about it that goes into greater detail than I probably can. But um, if you just Google Ballantine Informed Delivery, you'll, you'll see it. But basically what that does, it's kind of interesting. So as a consumer, like me and you, we can sign up for informed delivery. It's by the USPS. And what that does is it sends you an email every day saying, hey, Hans, this is the mail that's coming your way soon in your mailbox. And you can see physical images of that mail. And then what the USPS does is they also add a link to the website of each mailer. And so now it, it naturally adds, and it's free, it naturally adds a digital component to your mail because you're sending out the postcard or letter package or whatever it is. And then the person that's going to receive that is also getting the email from USPS telling them, Hey, this piece is coming. This is what it looks like. And here's the website of the advertiser. And so it just naturally adds a digital element to print campaigns. That's fascinating. I didn't even know that was a thing. I just pulled up your website, your blog there that you referenced, and I'm just skimming the topics as you were talking. I was like, wow, I didn't even know the post office could do that. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean it's 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 their way to provide value. Um, you know, they want people using mail, and so now they're offering this free service to encourage more people to do mail, especially in a growing, growingly digital age. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I don't know what the percentage of mailers that use it. You know, we're trying to tell all our clients do it. Why not? Like, what well, there's no downside, and you know, we're they even give you stats on how many people click in the email to visit the website. So you can see, it's almost like you're sending out an email blast and you get the click rate. Um, so I feel like I, I sound like a, like a USPS rep here. I'm just very passionate about it because I think it's like a no brainer. If you're going to do mail, why not try to make it more successful? Yeah, that's genius. We'll have to look, it will link up to that, that blog down below for anyone who wants to kind of look into that. What was the service called? Informed delivery um, from the post yeah, office. Informed delivery. Of, Informed delivery. Thank you. Yeah, very, very interesting. So, so it's, it, it basically, it sounds like when you guys kind of look at look at something like a strategy for a specific type of uh, company, it's it's based on the needs of that company, and then you can kind of potentially layer some of these different strategies on top of one another and get the digital to go print to go digital, or or what have you, and you really kind of try and layer just not, not just SEO, but content marketing and some of these other things 
uh, in your strategies to, to really create more of an ecosystem as well as opposed to just like one channel? Yeah, that's exactly correct. I mean, and just to be more transparent, like we, on the digital side, we work with specific types of companies, manufacturers, industrial companies, contractors, and some auto as well. So those, you know, we kind of, we know what works in those areas. Um, and so we have like a set plan that we usually start with um, just based on our experience. And yeah, it's all these different pieces, email, SEO, paid search, LinkedIn, just different parts, Facebook. And then, but doesn't mean we stay with that though, because like, you know, you have to test and what you start with isn't what you always end with because some things naturally will work better than others on a per company basis, because there's just many variables, what you sell, the market, the sales team of the, at the company, it just depends. But yeah, we, we try to put together a plan that we think is going to work and then we measure everything. So if you're going to start doing digital, make sure you measure everything, use Google analytics. There's a lot of uh, inexpensive dashboard tools that you can use to feed all your stats into track your phone calls, really, um, you know, what you, what you measure improves, what you track improves. And so make sure you're tracking and measuring everything. Love that, man. I really appreciate it. Backing up in, in your world a little bit here. I mean, Ballantyne is a family owned business, third generation. Um, you obviously weren't in it right out of the gate out of college, but, um, found your way there. Why don't you back up and tell us where your journey personally really began? I've always had a fascination with entrepreneurship. Um, I guess I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So like my great uncle started the company and then my dad and my uncle, um, you know, uh, they, they work, they work at the family business. And so they're, they're very entrepreneurial. Um, my dad's retired now, but um, so I come from family entrepreneurs. And so I think it's in my blood, uh, but I've always been fascinated. I, I even think back to like, was it high school? I think it was high school. I was like trying to invent things that I can sell. Even college, I had my own eBay store and I had like e-commerce and I sold piano lamps. And I, I even think some crazy things I sold, like just like nutritional supplements back in the day when it was like wild, wild west. Like we never, ever attempt that now, like, or at least in the way that I did it, um, like on eBay and stuff. So I've, I've always been very entrepreneurial, just trying to you know, learn new things and test different things and sell different things. And so I've always, and I've always had a fascination with digital and that's kind of where the the digital side of Ballantyne came up, came out of because, you know, way before I was even at Ballantyne, I was doing, like I said, e-commerce and teaching myself SEO. And just, I just naturally gravitated towards it, creating eBooks and all that. And so it was a natural transition on the Ballantyne side. Cause when I was doing marketing, I was doing all this stuff for Ballantyne to get leads. And so then we just said, well, Let's try to offer this to our clients as well. And that was kind of the, the journey um, that I took. That's, that's awesome. So what was it about, eh, well, actually I've got a, three questions all at once there. Relative to the family business thing for a second, uh, you know, there's definitely a stigma against family businesses in so much as they don't last and it's, you, you don't mix um, family and, and business and there's all the like, interpersonal issues that come up and kind of sabotage the whole thing. But clearly you guys have, have started to make it work. Like how have you found working with family in that way has been successful? And, and frankly, when you came in as a young person and tried to bring in the digital, I imagine there was some, I don't know if there was an element of challenge being challenged there and, and rocking the boat and whatnot, but like, how did you kind of manage that as being this third generation? Yeah. So I think I forgot your first question. 
I was trying to remember all the questions at once. <laughs> uh, si- simply put, um, as a third generation member of a family business, how how have you come in and sort of innovated and then also sort of managed the interpersonal nature of, of all of it and, and not gotten to blows at Thanksgiving or what have you? <laughs> yeah. Okay, definitely. So what we found to work is, and I wouldn't say it's perfect by any means, um, but yeah, we've been around for 55 years. So clearly it's it's working um it's working to an extent so what we found to work is communication um not having an ego so none of us have egos so right now it's me my two brothers my uncle who are partners in the agency my cousin's there um he joined a couple years ago my dad retired a few years ago um but yeah it's none of us have egos um we communicate like crazy um like today for example we met for what was it three hours or four hours talking about our five-year vision you know, we're going through that whole exercise now. So it's, it's a communication. It's not having an ego. And then um, it's, I think what also helps too is having clearly defined roles. And I think these, these things, these lessons here, they apply to really any business. But, um, you know, if I had to single out a few things I think has helped, um, I think it's those. So it's, you know, also having clearly defined roles. So yes, some of it overlaps, but like what I do, what my two brothers do, my uncle do, like we all have different, different roles and different responsibilities. Um, and then we're very sales driven too. I think that's worth mentioning, you know, um, yes, we're a marketing company, but we're also a sales company in terms of just trying to grow the business every day. We're trying to help current clients, keep them and then find new clients. And that's a daily thing. You can't take your foot off the gas and that helps the growth, which then helps keep the longevity of the, of the company going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I love how you broke that down there with just communication, checking the egos, and uh, having the clearly defined roles. I think that those are absolutely critical. Um, being someone who's in a, involved in a couple of businesses and ventures myself, I can tell you, while they're not family based, uh, we we made it very clear that we were having kind of that same model that you guys just had um, from the very beginning. If we were going to do any of this stuff, and it has absolutely worked out incredibly well. So I think, I think you just broke it down so simply, Mayor. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've, you know, being that we're a family business, we're around other family businesses because a lot of the, for example, the printer, the printing plants that we work with, a lot of them are family owned, maybe because it's just, we naturally gravitate towards, or we naturally resonate with them, but we've seen some that haven't worked. And it's usually, it's when those things are violated, like there's one particular family member that, that needs to be the top dog and he or she makes all the decisions and then that starts to create resentment in the other family members. And it just kind of just erodes from there. It is something you have to work at though. It's something you can't let it slip. You have to work at it every month, every day. Yeah. And that's one of the, the biggest challenges in business. And I think in life, especially any relationship, any venture is it, there's no autopilot, right? Like there's no set it, forget it, you know, a hundred percent. Like there are certain things you can automate and there are certain tasks that you can sort of, um, delegate and what have you, but you, at the end of the day, you still have to continue to be awake at the wheel and driving forward. If you're going to grow in business, in your relationships, personally, what have you. Yeah, absolutely. I also look at it too. Like, you know, if I'm working on something, so I, I, I primarily do sales. Um, it's one of my main responsibilities for the digital side. And I think about, you know, the opportunities that I'm trying to work on now, they really won't probably sprout until a few months from now. So 
like what I'm doing now is really for the future. Um, and if I have a week or two where I get lazy or my moment, my motivation's low or I, and I let myself succumb to that and I feel it now, but I'm going to feel it in a few months because if I hadn't, you know, those leads would have been materializing something, but now they're not. And I'm, you know, I'm stuck. So I try to remind myself of the future, my future self. Yeah. Anything that's got a longer sales cycle, of course you feel that like my business, you know, it's three, four, six, 12 months in some cases, um, from, from first conversation to actually closing something. And, uh, that level of lead generation is absolutely something that is, you have to keep up with, frankly. And it's, it is not a simple task, um, by any means, especially when there's a delayed gratification element on it relative to, you know, some of the things that you've been working on personally that help you stay focused, you know, down that far down the road, two, three, four months down the road. Um, what have you been doing personally to really cultivate a, a mindset um, that keeps you in the game and keeps you engaged uh, so that you can actually have the success and, you know, uh, reap the rewards that you, you're putting in today? Well, I think you just doubled the length of this podcast with that question because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like to go down this rabbit hole. Um, yeah. So like, marketing is a passion of mine, of course, um, but personal development is another passion of mine. And it's something I've always, I mean, I, I, back to your previous question about entrepreneurship when I was younger and like selling things and having like that natural inclination to do that stuff. Same thing with personal development. Like we just moved into a new house and I found books in the attic that I must've bought years ago. I don't know how far back, but it was all like, uh, what was it? Um, uh, Thinking Big and some other books that I was like, man, I was into this stuff even back then. Cause you forget, you know? And so I've been really big into personal development. So I've got, you know, a whole morning routine that I know we'll talk about later, but I've got a morning routine. Um, and that's a big part of it, honestly. And it's also just the content I consume. I do not let myself consume negative content. I don't watch the news. I mean, now I am with the election, but, you know, generally speaking, I do not. Um, I just try not to let any negativity into my head. I try to be proactive with consuming content like podcasts, like this one, with you know, that provides, you know, growth mindset type content, you know, um, exercise for sure, uh, healthy eating. Um, you know, it really all stemmed from a situation we had at Valentine of a few years ago where things just weren't going our way. Um, you know, we were losing a lot of big clients. I was just like, what the heck is going on here? And so we just, we looked at a lot of different things, our sales process, who we were going after, uh, prospecting, but also like myself, you know, um, cause obviously, I'm part of this as well. So something I'm doing or not doing is, 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 um, affecting things. And that's when I really started to get into personal development and the morning routine changed up my exercise routine, changed up my diet, just, you know, maybe I was desperate, but I was like, I just need to change a lot of things and see what happens. And I, I, I can 100% say 100% say it, it did help for sure. In addition to the other things that we were doing to, to turn things around. It's interesting how, a lot of the times, not always, but a lot of the times, the things that you can't spreadsheet or you can't put onto paper easily are oftentimes the things that that move the needle the most. And uh, the personal development side, looking at yourself, you know, the attitude you're bringing, the health, the 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 mental state that you're coming to work in, like that can ripple through the entire day, through the week, quarter, whatever, and, and translate into positive or negative, you know, results at the end of the year financially and otherwise. And it's, and it's when you, when you wrap your head around that part of it, it's, 
it's just as vital and important to spend time doing the personal development with whether it's reading or podcasting as it is with making your sales calls because they go hand in hand so so critically and beautifully. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's so many layers to this onion if you start to really peel it back, but you're you're right. You if you show up um with a poor attitude, you know, back when we were going into the office, I would think about that. Like sometimes you know you you're you're going through things whether it's at home or whatever or something at work and you're, it's in your, on your mind and you're coming into work. And I always have to remind myself to be in a good mood, even if I'm not feeling it, because there is a ripple effect. Like if I come into the office and I'm just like really just down and angry, the team's going to feel that. And then they might internalize that. And then it might affect their performance and their attitude. And, um, and the reverse is true. If you show up differently, better, you know, in, in other words, like better, it has a positive impact on them. And so I always think about like that ripple effect and, you know, are you, are you hurting? Or are you helping? And that's been, um, and nowadays it's like a little bit different, like on these video chats that we're doing same, same principles. I mean, they can't like, they don't have the body language, but they can see your face. They can see what you're saying, how passionate you are, you know? So I think it still is relevant in these COVID days, but yeah, I'm glad you said that. Cause there is a hundred percent or there is a ripple effect. Yeah. And, and that's a good point with the COVID thing. Like we are, we're only seeing each other from, you know, in most cases, the waist up, if not, if not tighter video wise, and it's not quite the same from the nonverbal communication side of things, but nonetheless, like it's even easier, I think right now because of the isolation and because of just the fact that, you know, if you have kids or you have a spouse or, or just roommates or whatever that are all working from home and you're all getting on each other's nerves, you, nerves, you, you have a new work environment. It's just not the office. It's, it's your house. And uh, the, the energy that you can then bring into the other engagements on Zoom translates in a big way. Yeah. And I've got some thoughts on that if, if I can share. Um, so it is true. Like you, you have to, um, so for example, then that we're remote, we were hiring people, um, not just from New Jersey. Like we used to go within like a 15 mile radius of our office. Well, now we can hire anywhere. Um, and we just hired someone from Alabama and he is, well, eventually meet us in person, but right now he's just seeing everyone through the screen and, and, um, you know, he actually gave really interesting feedback because like a lot of the, we, we, I try to encourage everyone to do video meetings. Um, so if the teams are going to get together, do it through video, but it's still, it's work related. And he, he made, made a comment that, you know, it's good. He's, he feels like he's getting to know, know everyone, but you know, he doesn't really know them personally. And I was thinking like, hmm, this is like a new challenge I hadn't thought about because we bring on someone, they can't meet them in person. So they're not going to have the natural personal talk. Like what'd you do this weekend? And like things like that, that naturally happening at the office. So what we started doing, and this was not intentional. This is just happened to work out. We started a book club, and we're reading um, we're reading the Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, and um, and so he had said that it's really the, the the secondary benefit of the book club is he gets to know everyone a little bit more on a personal level. So I would say, you know, trying to inject get-togethers with your team where it's not all work, you know, and that you're doing things together, non-work related, that does help a lot in these video video days. Yeah, that's really well said. We have, I'm a co-founder in a podcast post-production company um, called Streamlined and we started it during COVID and we have people in I think seven different time zones right now all over the world. And, and one of our biggest challenges from the very first moment was, was building culture because they're A, 
we were meeting at all different times of the day or night, depending on who was getting on when. Um, but then we, we don't have the benefit of being in an office if we wanted to, because we just physically cannot. And it's been a really interesting exercise to say, how do you build culture and how do you build um, community digitally? And I have to say that I, I, I feel like we've done a, a nice job of it and have had some really great retention um, in our organization and have had a lot of people who really have bought into the mission of, of it with never physically meeting any of us, um, only through Zoom and, and Google Chats and all that stuff. And it's been, it's been really, and we've done not necessarily a book club, but we have a, you know, an all team call every other week. And in that call, we, we have, you know, team building exercises. We share, um, we have sort of get to know you questions that go a little deeper than like, what's your favorite color, you know? Um, and share. And we've had times when we've gotten, had people get real vulnerable and share things about their past and their lives. And, you know, it just, it, it has, there has been a culture that has been of, you know, trust and um, working together and being high performers. And it's, it's been really interesting to be part of because of just the nature of how digital it is. And, and yet it is still possible. So I, I can, absolutely attest to the fact that like, even though a book club might sound hokey to someone listening to this, it's absolutely critical if you're going to build that sort of camaraderie in the digital age that we're all sitting in right now. I agree. Like we had our, we had it, we do every Friday and we had it this morning at nine 30 and I've, I left that meeting. It's a 30 minute meeting it, and it's only our second one and I've never done it before. So like trying to lead it and like, you know, trying to get everyone to engage and you know, you, just, you, you don't want it to be a lecture. You want it to be like a conversation and I'm telling you, like after even after the second one, I left today's uh, meeting like very invigorated because everyone was contributing, everyone seemed into it. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see with the holidays how we handle that because normally we have a like an office party, and you know we're thinking about maybe like getting everyone presents and then we all open the presents together. You know, like or we you know you you have like three options to choose from. And then, you know, we, we don't tell you which one we're going to send. And then everyone opens, opens up their presence together on video, just trying to, it's like a really interesting time trying to navigate these challenges. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, and this is something that I think about a lot, especially in my business, you're in sales, I'm in sales, you know, it's all people, right? It's people driven. And I think that's something, especially in your business, I can imagine that gets lost in because you're, you're about lead generating and getting marketing for a lot of people as am I, um, and, and one thing that's easy to forget, especially because we're not seeing each other in person and when we are, our faces are covered up with masks. And um, it's, it's been on my mind more and more of like the human element of any interaction, whether it's a sales one or just a, uh, you know, going to grab a coffee somewhere. It's, it's even more critical to, to pay attention to those kinds of things right now than I think it ever has been. Yeah, I agree. I try to remind myself to be, you know, kind, uh, especially nowadays. Um, and, um, you know, because when you're walking around, you're seeing people, you don't know what kind of day they're having or what they're going through. And I don't know, I just try to remind my kids to do the same thing. Cause you're right. It is, it is all about relationships and, um, you know, I'm part of a, a mastermind and there's a, it's a group of 10 guys that we get together every week. And you made me think of this. One of the, one of the guys in the group, I'm not gonna mention names, but, um, He's, he's older, but not like, you know, he's not old. He's just older. You know, he's in like the later stages of his, of his career. 
And I noticed lately, like when we share wins and stories and all that stuff, all, every time it's all for him. It's not really about work. It's all his stories about relationships, getting with get together with his kids, the client that he's working with, he's helping, and the relationship there. And so, and we talked about it the other day, and he's like, "Yeah, well, that's, I'm noticing that that's like really where it's at." So, and what you said just resonated. With me. I think human connection and relationships, especially now, it's so so key to be conscious of it and be aware of how you're helping or hurting like back to what I said before. Yeah. And with the personal development thing, this is something I ask a lot of, a lot of my guests who are, you know, high net worth individuals. The, I I can't think of a single one I've had on who's, you know, says they're a millionaire or, or has a, a higher net worth than that, who thinks that they are more driven by money than they are by, uh, you know, providing value to people. And, and it sort of sounds cliche sometimes when you, if you want to, you know, be a critic of it. Um, but these people genuinely find ways to add value to other people. And for them, that might mean putting out different content or writing a book or, you know, doing a podcast or what have you, but it, but almost every single person I can think of, it's, it's all about like, how do I provide some other people some value? And I then always bring the conversation back to, well, when you're in the beginning of your story, you know, you had debt, you, you didn't know anything, you lost your job, you, whatever you know, did you feel that way then? And they said, no, I was, I was really focused on me and getting out of debt and building my career and getting up to, you know, six figures and then blah, 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 so forth and so on. But there was a point at which I switched and, and you kind of need both motivations. And I think to your point about your, your friend who's, or your mastermind companion, who's um, later on in his career, he's probably experiencing some level of that flip. And you know, how cool is it if you can kind of balance both of those today when you haven't quote unquote made it. And I think that's a mindset. Um, personally, I, I try and pursue as much as I possibly can, but I think, it, I think there's a lot of lessons in that one. Yeah. I think it's, I think it, it starts with being aware of it, you know, and that's why the conversations like this help, you know, before podcasts were around, you know, these conversations weren't really that common, you know, you'd have to go pay thousands of dollars to see like a, some sort of like lecture or something like that on it. So I think it starts with being aware of it. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's very important. Ryan, well, man, I, like you said, we could probably keep going down this rabbit hole for a while, but I want to respect the rest of your day um, and transition us to the last section of the show called the Focus Five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? I am. The question is, are my kids ready? Because I hear them yelling in the background, but we'll, we'll, we'll make it through. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, we're all, we're all getting through uh, work from home uh, together. So first question is, what book have you gifted most often? Well, I think I have to, it's definitely the compound effect. Um, you know, yes, because of the, the, uh, the, the book club, but it's the book that, that most resonates with me. It's the one that um, I think was another big catalyst for personal development. And so I'd have to definitely say the compound effect by Darren Hardy. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? I would have to say, sticking with the, the personal development route, I would have to say Jim Rohn. Um, he's was the mentor to, to, to um, Darren Hardy and some others. Um, but he's sort of like like one of the main icons in personal development and, you know, and there's others like Zig Ziglar and some, and others like Brian Tracy, but he was, um, 
his men like you have to find something that resonates with you and his storytelling and his messages, the way he delivers the story. I just am really drawn to it. And so I try to tell everyone about Jim Rohn. There's this um, on Amazon. They've got the he's he, he's no, not alive anymore. But on Amazon, there's this ultimate Jim Rohn library is an audio book, like 12 hours long. Man, it's it's 40 bucks. It's gold. You have to get it. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's really that small changes and small choices and small habits can make a big difference. Sometimes, um, you know, this goes back to the compound effect message. It's kind of all together, but sometimes people just assume that small habits and small choices and, and small like daily activity can't make a difference. You have to swing for the fences um, but it's not true. I mean, really the best way to, to tackle it is identify what you want. Okay. And then what small steps can you do every day that might seem in, that might seem insignificant, but over time, you know, they, they actually get, get you to where you want to be. And so that's, that's what I would say. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day? So it's about an hour. Um, I start off by doing gratitude practice. Um, I use a product called Three by Five, Three by Five Life, and it's got gratitude, um, a little notes section for me to talk about how I'm feeling. I plan out my to-do list for the day, like my top priorities for that specific day. Um, it's got a, also a section for your wins by at the end of the day, but um, sticking to the morning routine. Um, I do exercise. I got like a 10 minute to 15 minute body weight workout routine. I do. Um, I do about 10 minutes of meditation. I do about five to 10 minutes of journaling and then I read right now I'm reading the daily stoic. Um, it's got like basically a daily lesson. So I basically read one page a day. Um, but every, every day you, you read a different lesson. Um, Oh, one more thing. I also do uh, brain training. I've got these, this brain app on my phone called elevate. And so every day it trains me on different things like math and writing and different things. And that's, that's what every hour looks like for the morning for me. I love that you have it broken out like that, man. That's awesome. What is the best place online that we can connect with you? Yeah, it's got to be our site, valentine.com. That's spelled B-A-L-L-A-N-T-I-N-E. Like the beer or scotch, just no relationship. And then obviously LinkedIn, just look me up, Ryan Cote on LinkedIn. We'll link to both of those down in the show notes uh, so they're easy to find. Ryan, man, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for sharing everything, both about your firm and your personal development journey as well. Uh, This has been awesome. So thank you for taking the time with us. Yeah, thanks, Hans. I really enjoyed it. And that's a wrap for today. If you got some value out of that and you want to check out Ryan's show or you want to connect with him on social, got that linked up down in the show notes. So uh, go check all that good stuff out. And uh, if you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at Chief Sna. uh, And uh, I've also got my website down in the show notes so you can connect with me there as well. Without any further ado, let's get on out of here for today. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play, and remember to make every chapter better than the last.